This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Our next guest uh, knows what kind of law-abiding citizen I am. He is our 640 Toronto crime specialist. And we had him in studio on Monday morning. It was a great visit with him. Here is Hank at Zynga. Sorry, like, uh, you're not mad at me for not paying parking tickets. That's more money for the city when I don't pay them, I figure, Hank. Uh, good morning, Greg. Uh, <laughs> you've always got to pay those on time. And, uh... <laughs> With the convenience of the internet these days, there's no excuse. So. Thank you. I am an, I have many excuses, but really, I don't deserve any. Uh, that's just generally how it works. Um, I want to get your thought on on just this really uh, heavy story um, where a 16-year-old boy on a release order has been charged in the killing of a 35-year-old man. This happened January 6th in, uh, in the Calendar Street, Queen Street West area. Um, and I, we've been back and forth on sort of people that have been critical of federal policy of bail and we've needed bail reform and catch and release, but it jumped off the page to me that, that the person arrested with this man for this manslaughter was 16, Hank. I'm sure again, you never get used to seeing that number in front of the age of the, of the, uh, of the uh, accused, do you? Well, nobody likes to see uh, someone that young being accused of a, of a of a murder charge. And, you know, the interesting uh, part of the previous release is we, we know uh, because of that subsequent charge that he's on some sort of release. It could be something as minor as a, a, of a theft or shoplifting or mischief or something like that. Uh, something that nobody would be held in custody for. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the added manslaughter charge. And the manslaughter charge itself is interesting, too, right? We don't know the circumstances of what caused the death of this uh, of this poor 35-year-old victim. But uh, the classic example uh, would be, presuming on a Saturday night or close to midnight on Queen Street, is punching somebody in the head. And if they fall back and, and yeah. hit their head and that causes their death, then that equals the manslaughter charge, right? <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it's um, he's also not able to be named. And this has been so debated back and forth for ages. And now it was the Young Offenders Act when when I was younger and you were younger. And now it's the Youth Criminal Justice Act. Do you think right. there are crimes um, when you're accused of them, uh, especially if an assailant was on the loose, Hank, that we'd make exceptions for this? It's really rare. I know that it is, but he can't be identified. Should should separate provisions be made in that act? Is that even a conversation anymore? I don't know that it should be, uh, especially with manslaughter as opposed to a first-degree murder or a second-degree murder. I think subsequent breaches, mm -hmm. uh, such as parole breaches and, and whatnot, then uh, perhaps the identity and the original offense should be released and the public made aware of it. But at this point in time, uh, like I said, especially with a manslaughter charge, it could be something as simple as a punch that's uh, led to this victim's death. Hank Kazinga, our guest on Toronto Today. It, the last couple of minutes with you, and I wanted to ask, and there was a rather, we keep calling them brazen, um, mall robberies <laughs> that are in broad daylight. And I'm like, are they that brazen if they, if they seem to happen a few times a month? But at Sherway Gardens, three people uh, with a smash and grab robbery, police were called, but they hop into a car and they get away. This is at 5.20 p.m. Um, yesterday at Sherway Gardens. And I brought this up earlier with all the traffic in out of malls. Is there anything there that suggests that malls might be better off? Um, you know, obviously the, they'd have to facilitate payment, but having police officers, um, paid duty officers being at malls on a regular basis. I feel like criminals know that malls aren't patrolled by police on a regular basis, and, and that's why they target them. 
And that's a uh, that's a massive mall as well, yeah. right? I know in Yorkdale Mall they have paid duty officers. I don't believe they have them in the Eaton Centre. There used to be a police office in the Eaton Centre. And Sherway Gardens, uh, not only is it a very large mall, but the way it's laid out is very complex as well. So to get from one end of the mall to the other, if you're a security guard, is no easy feat. Uh, but definitely people out shopping on, on a day off should not have to be subject to a, a crime like that, uh, witnessing a crime like that, or potentially getting involved in a crime like that. Yeah, I, like I got this text message and police officers not stationed because I referenced how at Scotiabank Arena, you know, big event, Rogers Center, you're going to see cops and you should. But the officers yeah. are paid by that facilitator. They're paid by MLSE or they're paid by, you know, Rogers, the Blue Jays, whatever. But if malls cop want cops there, they'd have to pay for paid duty officers. I, I can't believe at this point they don't think sort of the juice is worth the squeeze. I, I, I think they should make those those decisions and probably see how it goes. I think they should, too. Uh, you know, when I worked in 14 Division 25, 30 years ago, we had pay-duty officers in Dufferin Mall on the weekends, and we had a pay-duty officer in the Galleria Mall, which was a, just a tiny little mall at Dufferin and, and DuPont. So mm. uh, is, should Sherway Gardens have pay-duty officers? They should. Mm. There's not an infinite number of officers available to go around to start staffing all these malls off-duty, but it certainly would be a... Uh, a good deterrent to these types of robberies. And and I don't like the term brazen either. It really gets overused. So now, you could let us behind the curtain a bit on a, like, let's say a Leafs game on a Saturday night, who makes the call as to how many officers is it, is it as simple as MLSC saying, this is the number that we want. Um, is that how it goes? That's essentially how it goes. And the chief has the authority to step in and, and yeah. say, here's how many you're going to need. And depending on how many constables you need dictates how many sergeants you need. And then the more, the greater the numbers, uh, the number of staff sergeants that you need as well. So I, I don't know what the staffing is mm. for the hockey games or the baseball games, but there's a, a huge presence there. But it's a it's a profitable venue as well, right? Yeah, I hear that. Hank, thanks so much for the time today and give us some context on those two stories. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Hank Zinga is a 640 Toronto crime specialist, 34 years uh, as a Toronto police detective, homicide detective. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. I can't get over this video. I have watched it a couple times and I've watched other commentators react to it in the States. And uh, Sheba Siddiqui, our producer, and I were, uh, were, were looking at it earlier this morning, played some audio for it. Let me set it up for you. Brittany Peach. Um, worked for a company called Cloudflare. And I couldn't tell you what Cloudflare does, but it looks like a very remote job. There's some sales aspects to it. And it did appear that she wasn't closing many sales. She made a nine-minute-long video that she secretly filmed of her getting fired over a video chat. And she titled the video, uh, Point of View, You're About to Get Laid Off. Um, I'm going to play you some of it. Um, She's going viral for secretly filming it, and people are certainly divided about how she handled it. Um, so here's some of Brittany Peach pushing back uh, to her human resources department about losing her job. That I will point out, she started in August. So they gave her five months. I don't know about the short-term nature of that, um, but here's some of what she said. Just for clarification, you are not being singled out in this. Your peers are also being collectively um, assessed on performance. This is a collective collaboration for Cloudflare. So I just want to clarify that piece. 
I won't be able to add any kind of specifics on numbers or- Wait, yeah, no, can you explain for me why Brittany Peach is getting let go? The, I won't be able to go into specifics for numbers. Wait, why though? I just started, I've been working extremely hard just because I haven't closed anything that has nothing to do with my performance on a three month ramp with just one month with two major holidays in the middle. I don't think that has anything to do with why I should be let go. Okay, and uh, we'll follow up by uh, noting that she does note that her immediate superior isn't on the call. I think she may have a point here. I, th I think there's good and bad about what she did. We'll talk about this next, but here's another 20 seconds of this happening. Really need an answer and an explanation as to why Brittany Peach is getting let go, not why Cloudflare decided to hire too many people and are now actually realizing that they can't afford this many people and they're letting that go. If that's the real answer, I would rather just you tell me that instead of making up some bull and telling me that right before I lose my job from someone that I've never met before. Okay, so um, I... I'm absolutely um, divided on this. Um, I would be now. Some people would say, hey, if that was your kid, that'd be like, I don't want my kid to do that. But I also want them to be an adult and you don't get to control what your kid does. This woman looks, I'm guessing, about 30 years old, 32, maybe. Um, Shiba Siddiqui saw the video as well. Do you have a perspective on this that's that's different than mine? It's uncomfortable, but I think she makes some points about your your superior probably should be part of it. Um and she's she, on her best behavior. That's for sure. She knows she's being, she's recording she's herself. Right. She's uh, staging this basically. Exactly. I mean, for, doesn't she, she refers herself in the third person. Right. Right. But I wonder if a company looks at her and says, cause one of the questions we were going to, you know, even ask each other is, would you hire her right away or would you never hire her? I'm sure somebody will and go, that's an innovative, thoughtful plan ahead person. Okay. So here's the funny part. Cloud might be Flair. addicted to grievance, but whatever you give, you might give her a shot. Cloudflare is a tech company that focuses on security and privacy. So they, <laughs> which is ironic because they're Do being better, Cloudflare. recorded Flair. as they're, they're firing her. She asked some good questions. These are good questions. She's pushing back. The thing is, when you're getting fired, there's no coming back from that. They're not going to, you're not going to change their minds. But she's trying to, I don't know what her argument is. It's also, I think you, you brought up her age. Uh, it is innovative, but. I don't think she's going to be I think when you, you put her name into Google from now on as a potential employer, that might scare you off. And she knows that like she did start a sales job. She was mentioning that she was having um, good meetings. But again, I, I I worry so much of what we do on the Internet and what we almost popularize is just who's got the most who's got the biggest grievance, who can demonstrate the most trauma. And I don't know where it started. My theory is, do you remember all those shows when we were much younger in the 90s, like Sally Jesse Raphael and Ricky Lake and um, and even Oprah did some. Oprah's first few years were kind of like this a little bit. Jerry. And Jerry Springer. So, yeah, before just that turned into nonstop fights, I just worry that that sort of transmitted through the water supply. And then once everybody could have their own talk show online, make their own videos, be their own content creator, they just thought, well, why, why don't I do this? She is right. I think that I think. You shouldn't just be fired by nameless, faceless people you met before. Someone should look you in the eye as an administrator. It's happened to me twice. And they've said, and I've had to walk into rooms and go, I really like this job, but I need to leave it. That's hard. That's almost harder to do because then it's me planning it as opposed to, okay, so you've oh, you're before. blindsiding me over the back with a two by four. Have you ever been fired? Have you ever had to fire someone? No, been in the room twice. I know it's coming. I walk in that day. I don't feel good about it. 
you feel sick to your stomach and, and you're in the room while somebody else does it. It's not an easy thing to do, especially if they get emotional and whatnot. So I can imagine on the other end of it, they saw this coming. And she mentioned that some of her coworkers had gotten let go prior to her meeting with them. So she knew it was coming. That's why she pulled out her phone to record it. I wasn't. I don't think she expected the amount of attention that it got. It went viral. This video. Yeah, they fired forty people. Um, the CEO now has had to respond, uh, and they fired forty people out of fifteen hundred. And um, and yeah, they're using all sorts of of corporate language. I understand that he said it was our mistake as a company by not being more kind and humane as they did it. But you know how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you get called in to come in, maybe from your house, and they fire, and you're like, why couldn't you have just phoned me? So you can't win. Sometimes it's seen as. Th- I think even but there are a the- lot of legal reasons behind that too, right? I mean, the fact there that you have, you have another person in the room with you, there's, yeah, of course there are because you don't want to get sued after five. And I've seen that happen as well. People have sued their employer because of they made one little mistake in the way that they let them go, or they said something that they shouldn't have in that meeting. The, the, the person, the employer. Oh yeah. And the way that they let them go, they use the wrong terminology. They just, that one little sentence that goes off, if you don't stick to your script, then you could get That's in trouble because I've videotaped both my firings and maybe maybe I can go back and take a listen and see. I don't know if the statute of limitations runs out and one of mine one of mine crosses over uh, international. Well, you probably got another lines. one coming up any day now. So <laughs> well, I, again, I'd like to be here uh, for it. Um, but by the way, for people who have refused to come into the office, I think that's that would be. If I don't think that was the case in this case, that's a rich irony. Is why didn't you make me? Co- you didn't want to come into work. What do you mean? You're staying at home. You're hiding out. You're worried about a, a, a virus. Uh, Times are changing. You, it's not about a virus changed. anymore. There are other priorities as to why people work from home. Well, I've heard about this work-life balance, but I don't know anything about it. Somebody who executes it perfectly is our uh, our friend Alex Pearson. She's in at 9 o'clock. Um, I wouldn't hire her. You wouldn't, eh? No. Is there anything innovative? Who would hire that? Anything like, in it? It's like when the when the woman comes up to, um, and, you know, like the five, stage five clinger. Like, like the clinger. No, you don't need those problems. Yeah. Don't need that. Problem. She hopes to continue her career as a, at a superior organization. Oh, great. Maybe she should, she should, she should sell something. <laughs> Here's a good tip. Sell something. I love something. that she said she's great in meetings, though. Right. I do watch people sometimes. Not at, not at our place, but I remember this one person was just absolutely performative in uh, in staff meetings. This is about 15 years ago. And he just found a way. And then, like, if, if the camera wasn't on him, if the boss wasn't around, if he knew the boss wasn't coming in, lazy as all get out. But he's the kid you aimed at in oh, dodgeball. Yeah, he's the hall monitor. <laughs> Which we called murder ball in my he's day. The, uh, he's the hall monitor. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. A lot of talk this week about Service Ontario locations going into Staples, going into Walmart. And the story keeps kind of, you know, having some changes to it. Uh, let's talk to Jeff Birch about it. He's the NDP MPP and Municipal Affairs Critic and the MPP for Niagara Centre. Jeff, thanks for getting up early for us. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Greg. I know there's some criticism of this. Is the criticism coming from you or your party or, or obviously from some citizens? It is about transparency or is it about convenience? It sounds like it makes sense to have convenient things in Staples and Walmart, but is it more about the contract and the fact that it just kind of happens out of nowhere sometimes? Yeah, I think it's both. The, the original complaints come from my constituents who are worried. And I, th- I think it really does go to, uh, you know, transparency and good communication. And w- w- this was definitely not uh, good communication. Uh, in this is part of uh, what's happening in Welland is part of, I think, 11 staples that are getting locations and a couple of Walmarts that are being retrofitted at, uh, at government expense. But uh, Claudia Savona, in my riding, uh, she's operated the 
the uh, uh, Service Ontario site for 18 years, small business person, and just suddenly received a notice. Uh, she has 70 days, no compensation uh, of any kind uh, t that she's closing up. And she was actually called and threatened by the government to uh, not talk to the media and to keep everything quiet. So uh, that's very concerning, obviously. And uh, so we started getting a lot of calls in my office uh, and it's about both. It's about the lack yeah. of transparency and accountability, uh, not standing by a local business person. And uh, and of course, concerns about uh, the kind of service that will happen at this, you know, large American owned uh, company. And and there's concerns as well about the fact that the uh, the CEO is a uh, is a big donor to the Conservative Party and to the Premier uh, specifically. It, will this make it more convenient for some, less convenient for others? I'm sure it matters. Mobility and geography they both factor into those things. What are your constituents telling you? Well, I can only speak to my own uh, riding, and it's it's moving you know right down the street uh, to a shopping mall, uh, to a Staples, and uh, from a, a location that's uh, you know already kind of central. So. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, what the rationale is, uh, you know, or, or how it's going to work out. But I think the communication is terrible. Uh, there's lack of transparency with how the contracts are awarded. And uh, constituents, because of that lack of communication and transparency, are, are rightfully concerned about what kind of services they'll receive. And, you know, these are really important services for people. It's not, you know, going and picking up your pictures or picking up a parcel. It's it's getting, you know, it's licenses and, and some really important stuff for both uh, uh, personal and uh, business use. So uh, it's concerning. Niagara Centre NDP MPP Jeff Birch uh, joining us on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Um, when when you look at scenarios like this, do you, do you, is, was this something you were concerned about? Had you heard whispers and a little bit of scuttlebutt under the surface that this could potentially happen? This came out of nowhere for a lot of people who watch Queen's Park pretty regularly. Yeah, no, that's the problem. No, no one knew anything about it at all. So it came right out of nowhere. Uh, I believe most people found out about it through City TV, who got some kind of a scoop on it. Yeah. So when you're when you're being told about you know government services like this that people care about, uh, and you got to hear it as an MPP, I hear it from the media, um, mm. who gets a leaked report. Uh, that's clearly not uh, good communication or the level of transparency that people expect with uh, their tax dollars being spent. We're kicking this around a fair amount this morning. This would obviously come. Um, I, there could be a directive coming from the education minister. And I know the goal of the NDP as the official opposition is often hold Stephen Lecce's feet to the fire and make sure a policy works. But I, I, I almost feel like it crosses political lines. And that's the idea of cell phones in schools. A lot of teachers, which let's face it, a lot of teachers vote NDP. They're really frustrated. They feel like discipline, uh, attention span. Um, all of it is sort of waning right now. Are you hopeful that that the province can work closely with the school boards and come to a better better place? I think we all need. We, we, I think we all think the status quo is not working with cell phones and our kids in classrooms. Yeah, I hope it works for sure. I'm, I'm uh, rooting for the government. I got a 15 year old. He's just getting ready for school right now and heading out mm. the door to catch the bus to to high school, grade 10. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a problem. And, and so I do hope they work through it. I, I hope that we don't have any, that the decision's not made politically, that it's made based on facts and evidence. And I heard uh, uh, somebody commenting uh, just before I came on. Yeah. And uh, I think that that approach made sense that they want to, 
they want to look at all the facts and evidence and the data and, and make a decision that's best for students. And that respects what parents want as well. Parents have to have input. Uh, but I personally, as a parent, feel that the cell phones have taken up too much of our lives. And so I hope that there are some reasonable uh, limits put in so that kids, you know, they're at school to learn not to be on their on their phones all the time. I'm, I'm glad you shared that from your own household. And Jeff, I got 30 seconds, but some of it is about it's not just the, the here and now and being present. People are worried about the impact that kids now um, using it all the time, constantly. What kind of what are they going to be like when they're 25 or 30 or 35? And they really have to drill down on parenting or a project or a workplace issue, right? Yeah, there's a lot of dependence uh, on on technology, and that's why I take my uh, my kid camping a lot, and uh, you know, introduce him <laughs> to other things, get him away from the technology for a while. So I think there's too much of it in, yeah. in our lives. Yeah, Hide, hiding the phone's a good thing. It creates some uh, some strife yeah. in the household, but uh, slide slide it under a couch cushion for a few hours, and nobody's the wiser. Uh, enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. You bet. NDP MPP Jeff Birch joining us.